Jesus Christ came to bring spiritual life to the spiritually dead. He came to shine saving light to those living and walking in darkness. That's what Advent is all about. That's what this season that we've embarked upon is all about. Jesus brings life and light. In Christ there is life, and in his life is the light of men and women. A few years ago, we had the opportunity to welcome a visiting professor from the nations into our church community for, for a year that she spent here at, at Harvard University. She had seen our invitation at the Waverly commuter rail stop, and she had sent me an email earlier that week asking if she could come. I said, certainly, we would love to have you. And I'll never forget, we were, at that time, we were at Avalon Dance and Fitness Studio just down Trapello Road, renting space there. That was our first home as a church plant. And she walked up the, the lobby steps to the name tag table, and she looked at me and said, is this a place where I can learn more about Jesus? Because in my home country, you can't publicly learn about Jesus readily. It's difficult. And I said, yes, you've come to the right place. As it turns out, some 15 years prior, she had been visited by an ESL teacher to her home country who came not just to teach English, but also to teach the message of Jesus Christ, to sow those seeds as she's teaching English. And so this woman, this professor, got a chance to hear about Jesus in those English classes as well. That ESL teacher had planted a seed, and then when the professor, her name was Michelle, came, she sought to pour water on that seed that it might grow and germinate. But she spent a year with us. Many of you met with her. Some of you read the Bible with her. I had a chance to read a book with her. And after about nine months with us, she was baptized upon her profession of faith. Her faith in Christ had crystallized here at our church community. And on Father's Day in 2018, she stood before us and shared about her faith in Christ, and she was baptized as a picture of her union with Jesus. She had received, received life through Jesus, saving light through Jesus. And I remember talking to her weeks before she flew back to her country uh, to continue her job that she had there. She was just overwhelming with thankfulness, overflowing with thankfulness for the, for the chance that, that she had to be with us. And I shared how grateful we were to welcome her into our church community, the blessing that she was. She said to me, Dane, I, I found life at this church through the message of Jesus. Friends, that's what Advent is all about. Jesus Christ came to bring life to the spiritually dead. Jesus Christ came to shine light on those living in darkness. That's what Advent is all about. And this morning we begin a three-week Advent series where we're locking in on the one who came to bring spiritual life and to shine spiritual light. That word Advent means coming. And in this season, we remember and reflect on his first coming, Jesus Christ. The pre-existent one becomes incarnate, takes on human flesh, and lives and dies and rises again. We remember his first coming and the light and life that he brings. And we long look forward to his second advent, his second coming, when he will fully establish his kingdom of eternal life 
and light. That's what this season is all about. And in these next three weeks, these three Sundays, we're going to do an Advent sermon series in the introduction to the Gospel of John. The introduction of the Gospel of John, where we see the coming of Christ, the character of Christ. This series will be called, The Word Became Flesh. The Word Became Flesh in John chapter 1. Let's turn there together. It's on page 886, page 886 in the Bibles we provided on your chairs. If you're here this morning and you need a copy of the Bible, we would love to give you one in the lobby on the bookshelf. You can find black hardcover Bibles. Please take one if you need one. If you have a friend who needs one, get one for them as well. John chapter 1, I'll read verses 1 through 5. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John chapter 1. An Anglican minister named J.C. Ryle, who served in the United Kingdom the mid to late 1800s, wrote this about the Gospel of John. John's Gospel is preeminently full of things hard to understand. It abounds in the deep things of God, in the sayings of the King, which we instinctively feel we have no line to fully fathom, no mind to fully comprehend, no words to fully explain. What a fitting quote, and it comforted me this week as I was studying John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, uh, because in it there are things that are hard to plumb the depths of, unfathomable things for my human mind and yours. Yet we're invited to try, to come behold the mystery, to stand in awe and wonder of this great Savior and King, the Eternal One, the Creator, the Savior. This introduction, the Gospel of John, is sometimes called the prologue of John, meaning the first word in the Gospel of John. And we are encountering the deep things of God here, aren't we? Theologically Theological truths that are hard to understand, but let's grapple with these truths over the next three weeks. For as we do so, we will stand in awe and wonder of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. For awe and wonder are the appropriate feelings that we ought to have at Christmas. Those are the feelings that Mary and Joseph had as they held with trembling cold hands the Son of God who had come. Awe and wonder are the feelings that the shepherds had upon the announcement on those fields in Bethlehem of the one who had come. A savior had been born. Awe and wonder of what the three magi, the wise men, had when they came, completing their journey, following that star, entering that stable, offering those gifts to the Son of God. Awe and wonder. That's what we're to feel above all this season is worship, awe and wonder that lead us to worship. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. That's the goal of Christmas, awe and wonder that leads us to worship. John's prologue 
is a pregnant prologue. What do I mean by that? It is full of themes that will be explained in greater detail later. Just chock full with themes and truths that John just briefly introduces, then expounds upon later in his gospel. And this is how introductions and prologues work to many books of the Bible. The author strategically brings things up, introduces themes that he then expounds upon later. This prologue in the Gospel of John is just filled with these themes. The divinity of Jesus, light and life, as I've already mentioned, grace and truth, eternal life, the new birth, bearing witness to Jesus. All these things are introduced in these first 18 verses of John's gospel, and then he'll treat them again and again and again later in the gospel. This morning, all we want to tackle is the divinity of Jesus. That's quite a topic, isn't it? But it's right here in verses 1 through 5. This dominant theme of the divinity, the godness of Jesus, the deity of Jesus. That's our goal for this first week in the Advent series. We see in verses 1 through 5 that Jesus Christ is the divine word, the divine message sent from God the Father, the one who existed with God the Father and God the Son from before all time, had no beginning and has no end. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Rich words that we need to scramble our minds to try to, to get our minds wrapped around these truths. So in these first five verses, we see statement upon statement that supports the divinity of Jesus. I want to just investigate three pointers to the divinity of Jesus. Three truths that bear witness to his divinity, to his Godness. And the first is this, Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. This is the first pointer to his divinity. Verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ, the divine word and message sent to us to save us, existed from the beginning. There never was a time when Jesus Christ was not. Now, he became incarnate at a specific point in history. But in his pre-incarnate form, there was never a time that Jesus Christ was not. Just wrap your minds around the eternality of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has existed in perfect harmony, harmony and, and unity from before all time, sharing love with one another, creating us to spill that love over upon our heads. There never was a time when Jesus Christ was not. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, the Holy Trinity, the Godhead. This separates God from everything else in creation. All of creation, the heavens and the earth and all that fills them, had a beginning, had a starting point. The triune God does not. He is eternal, the preexistent one, the one who was and is and is to come. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Just try to wrap your minds around that truth of God's eternality. A.W. Tozer says it well. John is pushing us 
and encouraging us to ascend into the rarefied atmosphere of experiencing God in the wonderment of his everlastingness. Push yourself to experience God in the wonderment of his everlastingness. That's what we're invited to do in John's prologue, specifically here in verses 1 through 5. The wonderment of his everlastingness. As John holds out the eternal nature of Jesus, he is actually scratching where we as humans all itch. Because as we think about our own lives and we're honest with ourselves, we all sense the impulse for eternity. Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, wrote in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, God has placed eternity into the hearts of people. God has embedded an eternal impulse in you and in me and every other human being. We know we were, live, we were created to live for more, to have eternal life. We, we experience this day to day. What's your most favorite vacation destination? Your favorite memory? Your favorite time with friends and family? What is that place? What is that memory? If we're honest and we think about those times, there's a sense in us that says, why does this have to end? I wish it could go on. God has put eternity into our hearts we know instinctively that we were made to live on and to have fullness and satisfaction and meaning in life. God has put eternity into our hearts. There's a deep longing for everlastingness in our hearts. Our kids understand this. I love to swim with my kids in the summertime. The, the Underwood Pool or the lake that we go to in West Virginia. What do they like to do? Daddy, throw me. Throw me higher. Okay. Okay. The first one's always the highest. Daddy, again. Second one. Daddy, again. Third. They're not going as high. Daddy's getting tired. I cannot meet the joy demand that my kids have. Daddy, again. Daddy, again. This human father falters. I can't meet that joy demand. I can't go on and on. But friends, let me encourage you. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have set yourself up for a relationship that lasts forever in his eternal kingdom. And your heavenly father there will never cease to meet your joy demand. In fact, every throw is higher and better. There's no ceasing of your joy. He meets it over and over again, Daddy, again, Daddy, again, Daddy. You do it all the time for all eternity. He will never cease to meet your joy demand. There is a sense and a desire for everlastingness in our hearts and friends. Christ meets it. If you will trust in him, he came to give life. John chapter 17, what is eternal life? Relationship with God. To know God and his son, Jesus Christ. John 17, verse 3. That's the definition of eternal life. Relationship with God made possible through his son, Jesus Christ. In him is life. In Jesus is life. The eternal son of God offers eternal life to all of us. He offers us, gives us what we most need and long for. And remember, John's prologue is pregnant. So this theme of eternal life will come up again and again and again. And probably the most well-known place that it comes up is John chapter 3, verse 16. 
You know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Just think about this prologue and then spend some time this Advent reading the rest of John's gospel and see all these themes that get returned to, revisited later. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, offers eternal life to all who would believe in him. So this Advent, can I ask you, have you trusted in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for eternal life and forgiveness? And if the answer to that is no, just just be honest with yourself, but don't stop there. Let this Advent be the opportunity that you do trust in the Son of God, the only one who can offer you eternal life. Pointers to Jesus Christ's divinity. First, Jesus is eternal. Second, Jesus is creator. And John says in verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the agent of creation. The means by which all things came into existence were spoken into existence. He was there at the beginning, speaking creation into existence. Psalm 148, verse 5, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. How did God create? Ex nihilo. In Latin, out of nothing. He didn't work with any starting materials. He spoke and nothingness became stuff. Out of nothing. He spoke and it came into being. Jesus was doing that. Notice how John 1, verse 1 begins. In the beginning. If you've had any exposure to the Bible, those three words, those four words, three words, sorry, likely sound familiar. There's only one other book that begins that way. What is it? Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is an unmistakable parallel hearkening back to the divine work of creation. John is linking in the minds of his readers Jesus with Genesis. Jesus was there in the beginning creating. He's being very deliberate here, linking Jesus with the divine work of creation in Genesis. He, that is Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. There he was, from the beginning, working, creating through his word. A few years ago, we had a sweet moment at the dinner table over meals. We, we tried to do our best to, to have some spiritual conversation. It doesn't happen every time, but we try more often than not to bring the Bible to bear on our conversations, to ask how our kids' days are going, to maybe do a little bit of teaching there. So we're talking one night about creation. And suddenly Cecile, who was four or five at the time, said, uh, yes, Daddy, God talked. I said, what do you mean, uh, God talked? Uh, that's how he created. God talked. I said, exactly. God talked and creatures came to be. She said, yes, God talked. That's what Miss Jenny said. Miss Jenny said, God talked, and that's how he did it. Let me encourage you, if you're a Beacon Kids volunteer, our kids are listening to you. What you teach in the midst of the activity and the flurry, it, God's using that. And he's embedding these truths into their hearts. 
Our kids are processing these things. We are processing these things. God talked, and things came to be. Jesus spoke life into existence, and friends, Jesus speaks new life into existence as well. Jesus creates with his word, and Jesus recreates dead hearts with his word. Later in John chapter 11, we find the account of Jesus resurrecting his good friend Lazarus from the grave. How does Jesus resurrect Lazarus? Does he go in there and smack his hands together and get him warm and then touch him? No. How does Jesus resurrect Lazarus? He sticks his head into the dark tomb. What does he do? Lazarus, come out. And you know what happens? Lazarus' dead heart starts beating, for it knew the voice. Because the same voice that had spoken his cells and tissues into existence at his conception in his mother's womb recognized the voice, and it started beating again, and he came out. Jesus creates with his word, and Jesus recreates dead hearts with his word. The resurrection of Lazarus is a picture, a pointer to what Jesus does to any dead heart that would trust in him. At his command, our spiritual hearts start beating again. He gives us new life. It's his word that creates life in the midst of our deadness. Jesus spoke life into existence and he speaks new life into existence in your heart as you look to him in faith. The Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead, and we need Christ to command life to come forth from us. Only Jesus can recreate us. Only Jesus can bring life where there is spiritual death. He is the divine creator of life, the divine recreator of our spiritual lives as well pointers to his divinity. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is creator. Thirdly and finally, Jesus is savior. Let's look again at verses four and five. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In these two verses, four and five, John introduces two salvation metaphors that will be dominant throughout the rest of the gospel, life and light. Just do this. Trace John, trace life and light in the rest of the gospel. It's over and over and over again. Dominant themes. These are salvation metaphors, life and light. He returns to these themes over and over again in the remaining 19 chapters of his gospel. Here's just a brief sampling on a few chapters early on. Uh, John 3, Jesus offers eternal life. John 3, 16, we just quoted that. And then the next chapter, John 4, Jesus is in this wonderful, tender conversation and difficult conversation with the Samaritan woman. This is what Jesus says to her. The water that I will give you will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is offering this woman living in shame and guilt everlasting life through his living water. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
It's this picture of men and women love to live in darkness. Why? Because we think our deeds go unseen. But the truth is, God sees them all. And the invitation that Jesus offers is walk in the light. Don't hide in the shadows. I see all of that. Come out. Step into the light. Live in the freedom of the light. Let me take the guilt from your shoulders. Get out of the darkness and walk in the light. That's what Jesus offers. John chapter 8. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The list goes on. These metaphors of life and light are throughout the gospel of John. Only Jesus can bring saving life and saving light to you. My favorite carol at Christmas. Hark the herald angels sing. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Light and life to all he brings. Receive it, friends. Cherish it. It's salvation life. It's salvation light that only the son of God can bring to you. The eternal life that Jesus brings is to be received by faith. The saving light that he shines in our darkness is received by faith. Uh, Our world is dark, isn't it? As rich as this season is, we're daily confronted with why we need this light so much. We see darkness all around us. Uh, How are you encountering darkness right now? What brokenness are you encountering in your life, in your friendships, in your family? What besetting sins speak to that darkness? Corruption in the world, in government, hatefulness, abuse, human trafficking. I mean, just everywhere, far and near, brokenness abounds. Rest assured, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and believe this, the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ is greater. His light is brighter. Have you ever been in a dark room? But then suddenly you look towards where the door is, and you see in a keyhole a little pinhole of light piercing the darkness. Light, a little sliver of it, overcomes the darkness And so it is with Jesus Christ. His light overcomes the darkness of sin and death in this world. Go to him. Trust in him for his light. In him, Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Trust in that. Bank your life on that. Find hope in your most difficult of days. In this season, when darkness abounds, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And the darkness of this world shall not overcome him. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It's another way to say John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, later on in John's gospel. Three pointers to Jesus' divinity. He is eternal. He is creator. He is savior. Brothers and sisters, there is no one like Jesus Christ. Let him elicit awe and wonder in your heart. Awe and wonder that leads you to worship. That's what this season is all about. Reflect on his word. Reflect on his character. Reflect on his coming and long for his second coming. Jesus Christ 
is the Word made flesh, the one who brought life and light. Come and worship. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your truth that you sent to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the light and life that we have in him. Lord, we look around our lives and we see darkness abounding. And if we're honest, Lord, we can get discouraged beginning to believe that the darkness has overcome the light, but your word is true. Lord, help us to trust it that you overcome the darkness. You are piercing it through your person and through your work. God, grow our faith in you, not in our own strength and our own wit, our own abilities. Lord, help us to look solely to your strength, to your character, to your work, to find our hope and to find our encouragement. Give us opportunities, Lord, to share this good news of your light and your saving life that others might come to trust in you, to walk in the light, to receive saving life from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.